It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. And again, by way of review, uh, for those of you who have been in and out during the course of this series, uh, this series of messages is an invitation for each of us to lean in and embrace the greatness of God and all that he has for us. While at the same time, it is also an invitation to surrender to his embrace, as reflected in the image that we have used, to embrace, allow him to embrace the potential that he plants within each and every one of us. We've looked at what a great God we have, a great Savior, a great Counselor. Diana did a wonderful job talking about the great life that he has for us. And last week we looked at the great commandment. And as I said, that great commandment that we dug into last week, uh, Jesus was asked, which is the, the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. With less than 20 words, as I said last week, Jesus summarizes the essence of what it means to embrace a real, personal, life-changing relationship with God. Incredibly simple to state, yet consistent application is a lifelong journey that requires daily focus and discipline. I shared last week a statement by a commentator named William Barclay, who wrote a number of years ago. He said of this passage, it means that to God we must give a total love, a love which dominates our emotions. And again, I shared for me, oftentimes it's the other way around. My emotions in the moment tend to dominate how I feel toward God and and the commentator suggests it should be just the opposite. We're talking of a love that dominates our emotions, a love that directs our thoughts, and a love which is, dyna- is the dynamic of our actions. A love for God that flows through us and influences the things that we do and say and think and feel on a daily basis. The passage we looked at, I'm going to just walk through it again, is Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 34 through 40. And here he says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, there was kind of a competition between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And so since he shut down the Sadducees, the Pharisees thought maybe they could get one up here. So they they got together. And it says one of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. The teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And that's where our focus was last week. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Um, As I emphasized last week, 
Jesus immediately, and as we just saw it there, Jesus immediately followed his comments on the greatest commandment by highlighting what he called the second greatest commandment. And if the greatest merited our attention, certainly the second merits our attention just as well. I chose, as I said last week, to deal with them separately. So today we're going to drill down into that second. However, I would point out that they both emphasize what I called attention to last week, which is love in action. Something, or perhaps, or probably a lot of things, should change in our lives if we say we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We emphasized last week, as recorded in John's writings, Jesus made it clear that one crucial step on the path to loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind is to live a life of obedience. I shared a variety of passages that uh, that John had quoted Christ in that talked about, if you love me, you're going to do what I say. Makes sense, doesn't it? But yet, that's sometimes where the gap comes. We say we love him, but our actions don't necessarily change in the fashion he would direct us to. With the second greatest commandment, Christ continues to raise the bar by directing us to yet another action step. It's not like we couldn't spend our whole life trying to live up to that calling to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul. He actually says, let's let's ratchet it up just a touch more. And he says we're to love our neighbor as ourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. By show of hands, does anybody else join me in saying, I would love that passage so much more if it just said love your neighbor. All right? I mean, I could say... I love my neighbor. I haven't thrown stones at him lately. I, you know, I wouldn't run over him if they were laying in front of me in the street. I, I love my neighbor. But he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I love myself a lot. You may not, but I love me a lot. I think I may be the best thing since sliced bread. Some of you don't know what bread that isn't sliced is. But anyway, that's another story for another day. But uh, to say that I'm to love my neighbor, this is really weird because my neighbors are here. But to say you, you, you love your neighbor as you love yourself is like, wow. Talk about setting the bar high. I quoted John uh, a lot last week. And in his writings, he also had something to say about the second greatest commandment. In 1 John chapter 4, excuse me, 1 John chapter 4, he's talking a lot about love. I, I use it often in wedding ceremonies. It's some of that really mushy, flowery stuff we all like or not. Uh, but in 1 John 4.20, he says this, whoever claims to love God, didn't we sing about that today already? I don't know. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have seen. Wow. Just chew on that a little bit. Some of us may need to hang that from our mirror in the car or on our locker at work or on our mirror at home just as a reminder of how I'm to feel about others. To make it even more interesting, in his gospel, Luke is telling a story, and it's 
sounds like it's a different setting from the one in Matthew, but Jesus is also in that, in Luke, telling his followers that they should love the Lord and love their neighbor. Pretty much the same thing, but to a different audience. Like if I preached a sermon here and then I went to another town, another church and preached the same message. Jesus is is teaching the same thing to a different group. And he got to that bit about loving your neighbor as yourself. And somebody had the audacity. I could think of some people here who would ask this, but I won't name names. Somebody, excuse me, excuse me. You say I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. That's kind of what I just said. Well, who's my neighbor? Now, friends, I don't want to judge the person who asked that question by my low standards. But to me, that's code by saying, I don't want to love anybody I don't really have to. So you tell me specifically who my neighbor is, and I'll work at loving them. But I don't want to invest my emotional energy in loving anybody I don't want to. In my lifetime, probably like all of you, in my lifetime, I've had some really good neighbors. I mentioned my neighbors that are here. My neighbors literally came to me and said, Steve, it was, I, I was on sabbatical, so they couldn't say pastor, so they said, Steve, uh, Steve, we want you to please dump your trash at our house. I mean, most of us get in trouble if we dump our trash on the neighbors. My neighbors were saying, please dump your trash on us. So I obliged them just because that was the neighborly thing to do. Uh, we've had some of the other neighbors. We literally, we literally had our neighbors call the police on us because we gave away a stray cat. Now, we had asked them, is this your cat? And they emphatically said no. Now, there's a rumor that I don't like cats, that I hate cats. I don't hate cats. I just like them way less than dogs, all right? And I'm way more allergic to cats than I am to dogs. So we had this cat hanging on on our porch because somebody in our house may have fed it when I wasn't looking. All right? And it was not a bad cat. It just irritated my dog. And it knew it irritated my dog. You know how cats do that. They know you can't get them, and so they just kind of flaunt it, you know? And, And this cat... I mean, if the garage door was open, it was in the garage. If you tried to get outside or inside, it was doing everything in its power to get in the house. And because it irritated my dog, and some of you know I feel pretty strongly about my dogs, I, I didn't want the cat around. I could not bring myself to actually be mean to the cat, but there were times that it was really close to my foot and it was hard. All right. Diana, in her compassion... She found someone who would take this stray cat. We'd ask the neighbors repeatedly, is this your cat? If so, please get it away from my house. And nicely. Not our cat, not our cat, not our cat. Well, it wasn't at our house, it was at their house, and they did have food set out, but not their cat. So Diana went to great lengths and found somebody who would take this stray cat. Because he was hurt. He got whacked by a car and he needed attention and... It wasn't happening. Diana found somebody who would take take this stray injured cat, pay to take it to the vet, and give it a home. 
And once it was gone, after a day or two, knock, 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 knock on the door from a less than friendly face, what'd you do with our cat? You said it wasn't your cat. We found a home for it. We got it medical treatment. We're calling the police. You stole our cat. I've had neighbors from both perspectives. All right. Jesus tells a story when they, he asks that question, well, who's my neighbor? Because, you know, I'm all about doing what you say, Jesus, but I don't want to do anything I don't have to. So, so he tells them a parable. We call him a parable. And this is one of his, most of his parables are those, I mean, they got a zinger in there. Uh, a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. It's a story with a point that sometimes can be kind of hidden or inferred. And, and this is one that we call the parable of the Good Samaritan. And by show of hands, um, we love this in Children's Church and in VBS. How many of you have heard the parable of the Good Don't feel bad if you haven't. But how many of you have heard the parable of the Good Samaritan before? All right, a good percentage of us. All right, now, by show of hands, how many of you know what a Samaritan is? Okay, some of us have heard it, but we love the story. We don't know what a Samaritan is. The story also talks about a priest. We all know what a priest is? We're not talking Catholic priest here. We're talking Judaic priest. And how about a Levite? All right, so so we got we got some. So, but the point there is, many of us have heard a story. We may even think it's a good story, but we don't necessarily know the importance of the key players. And so, because there are some things that that we can identify with. Uh, and by the way, if you want to know what a Samaritan is, you can ask somebody who raised their hand, or you can talk to me later. I'm not going there because that's not the point. All right. Now, priests were the ones who carried out the functions in the temple or in the tabernacle involved in the worship of the Jews, all right? And the Levite uh, was the family. That was like a tribe of Israel. And all priests were Levites. All right, follow me here. All priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests, all right? You couldn't be a priest if you weren't a part of the tribe of Levi, but just because you were part of the tribe of Levi did not automatically mean you were a priest. But uh, by being a Levite, you're kind of in with the in crowd, but you're not actually doing the work. You may even help support the priest, but you're not doing the work of the priest. All right, so we're going to tell the story, and we're going to change it to something that, that may resonate with some of us. And we're going to call it the parable of the good Spartan rather than the parable of the good Samaritan. All right, and so I'm going to need some help. Uh, Greg, will you help me? Come up here and stand right here. Um, who else would be too good here? Let me see. Uh, Amy, will you come help me? You, you just just have to do what I tell you, Amy. It's it's perfect. All right, and then uh, Damien, will you help me? All right. All right, we're going to put you over here on this side. You go on this side. All right. All right, and then. Some of you know, 90% of the time, I have designated Spartans in our congregation. Of all the Sundays, after a great victory like they had over Penn State, when I could have guaranteed they would show up wearing something like this, 
our designated Spartans are not here. Do I have somebody who would be willing to be a Spartan today? All right, let's, we'll take Elizabeth, all right? You got to throw this on, all right? May not be your size, but make it work. All right, so today instead of priest, Levite, Jew, and Samaritan, we have worship leader, worshiper, Wolverine, and Spartan, all right? Worship leader actually in there doing the nuts and bolts. All worship leaders should be worshipers, but not all worshipers are worship leaders. You with me? All right, nod your heads, all right? So the way the story goes, many of you have heard it, but we're changed a little bit. Some of you know that late last night, or last night ending quite late, got bloodshot eyes? Just checking. Um, Chris drove home. All right. So there was a big football game in Ann Arbor, and there was also a big football game in Pennsylvania at Penn State. All right. So the way our story goes is after this big football game in Ann Arbor, Chris and Damien, the Wolverine, are driving home, and somebody needs to use the restroom. So they pull over in the rest area, and... Somebody's in there so long that his driver leaves him. And he comes out and somebody sees that Michigan shirt and says, I don't like Wolverines. And they beat the living daylights out of him. They were ambitious because he's not a small guy. But so they, they beat him up. They mug this poor guy. He's barely hanging on to life. Come on. He's barely hanging on to life. He crashes on the ground. All right. And, and he's, he's almost gone. All right. So he's laying there in the rest area, and a worship leader comes by. All right? Now, some people, if you read in Luke chapter 10, it talks about they were going down. All right? That means some people think it was okay for the worship leader and the worshiper to not help because they were on their way to church. With Jews, it was up to Jerusalem when they were on their way there. It was down to Jerusalem when they were on their way home. So he doesn't have the excuse of saying, i got to get somewhere important. All right? But he's coming along, and he comes along, and he sees this poor Wolverine just bloodied, banged up, flat-out miserable. Look at him. He's miserable just because he's got a big gut. All right. Uh, And he sees that, and he says, I don't want anything of that. And he keeps on going, leaving that poor, miserable Wolverine bloodied and battered then along comes the worshiper and and as she comes by she sees this big nasty furball beaten bloodied (laughs) rotten and she's i don't want anything of that and she's gone all right so now we have this spartan who's coming home from pennsylvania and they're just on cloud nine because they just knocked off penn state and it was just awesome all right and, I mean, they can barely, feet are barely touching the ground. They, too, hit the rest area, and they come in, and they say this Wolverine. And we all know how Spartans feel about Wolverines, right? <laughs> huh? You know, even though they won Michigan State, the Spartans just knocked off Penn State. I mean, all Michigan did was beat the daylights out of Wisconsin, but we're talking Penn State here. And so... We would expect a good Spartan to just do a victory dance. Oh, you sorry loser. All right. 
But this is a good Spartan. And even though this Spartan has every reason to just walk on by like the worship leader did and like the worshiper did, she took pity on the Wolverine. She bandaged his wounds. All right. Oh, right on his forehead. Come on. All right. She helped him up. Oh, all right. She helped him. Go ahead. She helped him to the nearest Holiday Inn. All right. And she left her credit card at the Holiday Inn and said, anything this stinky Wolverine needs to get better, I want you to give it to him. And the next time I come through, I'll pick up my card. All right. So hopefully um, that gives you some sense that... The Jews didn't like the Samaritans, and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews. Literally, did I not put it up there? Well, that's weird. All right. Can you take me back to that one, Matthew? Sorry about that. Um, in, in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, where it tells this story, In chapter 9, now this is Jesus telling the story, and I made it funny, but this is serious stuff. In in Luke chapter 9, just before, there it is. Thank you, Matthew. I'm glad somebody's paying attention here. Um, I'm meaning not me, not you. All right. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And it would have been easier for him to pass through Ann Arbor to pass through Samaria on his way. That was the shortest route. And the Samaritans had such disdain for Jesus that they said, no, you can't even pass through our town. We want nothing to do with you because you're going to Jerusalem. Can't drive through Ann Arbor if you're going to East Lansing. Can't do it. We dislike you that much. We don't even want your foot on our soil. And then Jesus turns around in the next chapter and tells a story about the Good Samaritan. So back to the second greatest commandment. If I'm called or commanded to love my neighbor as myself... And if my neighbor can be someone of a different race, someone of a different skin color, someone of a different nationality, someone of a different faith, someone of a different political party or ideology. Friends, I, I just, I just read an article this week written to preachers and it was how to preach in an age of hostility. Friends, if I'm called to love my neighbor as myself, and my neighbor could be somebody from the other party, someone from a different social or economic class, someone of a different sexual orientation, or someone who is prejudiced towards me. Jesus is talking about the Samaritans, and he knows how much they don't like him. Or someone toward whom I have a prejudice. 
I have to ask, how am I doing with that? That gets real very, very quick. Friends, in a country that is clearly becoming increasingly and painfully polarized on any of a plethora of issues, this teaching that is often seen as a simple children's story should give all of us reason to pause and say, wow. I'll, I'll, I'll pick on the Spartans and the Wolverines again. I don't even remember what it was, but remember... Michigan lost a game that they shouldn't lose. And there was this image that covered the media of, of a kid in a Michigan shirt. And it, you would think somebody close to him had just died. And he has this look of sheer devastation. As a Spartan fan, do I see that and say, ha, 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 what a loser. think about the last presidential election, which was a little contentious in case you missed it. I think about the recent Supreme Court hearings. And when we see one side just devastated because of the results, do we say, how serves you right? Or do we say, that's my neighbor. Yes, we disagree. but you're still my neighbor. That's tough, folks. That's not how we're wired. It's not how we're trained, but it is how Jesus would have us be rewired and how he would have us surrender to his training. So when it comes to loving my neighbor as myself, we got to ask ourselves regularly, How am I doing with that? Please understand, don't misquote me here. Jesus was not saying we simply overlook our differences, sit around the campfire, hold hands and sing kumbaya. No, we don't all have to agree. He was not suggesting that Jews give up their heritage and embrace the teachings that the Samaritans had embraced. He was not saying that you and I must accept sin or values that contradict the teaching of Scripture. But he was saying we cannot stop caring about the individuals with whom we interact who represent those differences. And I can only speak for myself. That's hard for me. Because I believe what I believe very strongly. But that doesn't change what Jesus taught about the second greatest commandment. Like I concluded last week, I asked you a question specifically. Ask yourself at the end of the day, what did I do today that reflected my love for God with my heart, soul, and mind? Start your day by saying, Lord, show me what I can do today to demonstrate to you and to others that I love you with my heart, soul, and mind. What feelings 
or thoughts did I have that indicated my love? What actions did I take that were a clear reflection of, of my love for him and his love flowing through me? Specific for today, what did I feel, think, or do, or say that would be evidence that I love my neighbor as much as I love myself? Some of you know what it is to teach, and some of you know what it is to teach Scripture, and some of you know what it is that sometimes when you're teaching stuff, God decides to have a little fun with you. I've been working on this message since last week when I realized they probably should be two separate messages or it'd be one really long message. And and yesterday was a busy day, doing this, doing that, doing the other thing. And I ran to the convenience store because we were out of the nectar of life, also known as Pepsi, at our house. Um, and I was coming home, and I see some guy. He hadn't been mugged, but he looked like maybe he could be a mugger. And he's pulling two giant suitcases down the street. And he's heading in the direction, I'm thinking, maybe bus station? I'm thinking maybe he just left the rehab facility there. And it's like, that's interesting. And I mean, 200 yards down the road, like maybe you ought to go pick him up and give him a ride. What? He's not my neighbor. If it was my neighbor, I'd pick him up in a heartbeat because my neighbors have picked me up often. It's like, really? Are you preaching my own sermon back to me? Now, I'm not, please understand, I'm not advocating God wants you to go out and pick up strangers with big suitcases. All right? I figured at worst he'd already mugged somebody else and his suitcases were full. All right? What's he going to take from me but my Pepsi because I spent my last $2 on it? Um, don't do that. I will be mad. I'm mad at you when you do that. Don't, don't do that. It was just a little fun God was having with me. So I'll turn around, pick him up. Uh, get his life story between there and the bus station. Um, just because God was messing with me. I guarantee you, if you invite him, God will give you opportunities to love your neighbor. And he will give you opportunities to love the neighbors that are easy to love and the neighbors that are the other kind. Now, the ones I talked about earlier and the whole cat thing, their house did burn down, but I had nothing to do with it. I just want to say, I prefer to think of it as God had a hand in it, but I I don't know that for sure. All right. But they're not my neighbors anymore. So let that be a lesson, Donna. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't make fun. Uh, Because this is serious business. God has called you and I to love him with our whole heart, with our whole soul, with our whole mind, with the totality of our being. And for that love to permeate everything we do and say. And God has called us to love our neighbor 
as ourself. And he has painted a very broad picture of who qualifies as our neighbor. And as we are approaching yet another contentious election season, friends, by all means, believe what you believe strongly. Vote what you believe strongly. But understand, whether it's blue or red, it's still a neighbor. And it may not be easy. It won't be easy because we are very passionate about the issues of the day. But when it's all said and done, whether Democrats, Republicans, or Independents are in power, if this ship sinks, we're all going down. So it matters. And we're all going down together. And it's important for us to understand he has called us to a second great commandment, and it should change the way we live. Pray with me. Father, powerful words, and, and we've had a little fun with it, but we can't miss the point. After they had just treated your son with such incredible disdain that they wouldn't even let him set foot on their soil, he talked about the love that Jews and Samaritans could have for each other. So, Father, we are surrounded every day. We, we may live with people. We work with people. We live next, to, next, we live next to people. We interact with people in our course of work, school, employment that are different. They are people of different faiths who don't even believe what we believe. But if we believe what we believe, then the truth is you love them. And you're concerned about their soul for all of eternity. And so we should too. Father, it is a high calling to love you with all of our heart, mind, and soul and strength. We can't do it on our own. It is a high calling to love our neighbor as ourself. We can't do it on our own. But as we said earlier, we have a great God. We have a great Savior. We have a great counselor who will live within us and coach us daily instantly from the inside in terms of the way we should walk in your light. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Michelle?